In these winter months, consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker, and uh, this is a bonus episode of Cruise Radio. Not the normal news and all that, just because uh, during the year I do probably 200 interviews. And only 52 interviews actually make the show, which leaves me with uh, about 150 interviews to do something with. So instead of going to waste and waste my time and yours, I put them as bonus episodes and air them throughout the year. Like Kristen, she just returned from Disney Dream, and she's here to talk all about her experience. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Doug. Gosh, I haven't talked to you in forever. Like February, wasn't it? Yeah, because that would have been our December celebrity sailing that we did. So This year has flown by. Wow. Okay, well, we're talking about Disney Dream this time, and before we get to the ship itself, let's take a step back and give me your pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to sail this three-night sailing on Disney Dream? So I do a girls' weekend with my friends Andrea and Jennifer uh, every year. They're big Disney fans. We've, of course, gone to Disney World in the past, but they had never cruised Disney before, and I had, and I thought that would be a great idea for a girls' weekend. So we looked at dates kind of in the shoulder season, if you will, so past the peak pricing time, and September was a great time for decent pricing from Disney after most of the kids have gone back to school and you're past summertime holidays. So we took a look at uh, at the itineraries, and Dream does the three-night sailing uh, out of Port Canaveral, and so decided uh, we would do that for this year's Girls Weekend. How did you feel about the pricing? Because I know Disney always charges a premium, but I've also seen the Disney prices pretty low, like uh, a couple of hundred bucks some nights or some sailings for a three-night cruise. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely is a premium-priced product, but we knew that going in when you go to Disney uh, in general, uh, <laughs> yeah. of course, at the theme parks, you're used to that, right? Mm-hmm. So we knew what we were getting. Obviously, we were getting the Disney products. So characters, the entertainment would be top-notch, Disney commitment to service. So we knew all that. Ship features, the cabin staterooms are larger in comparison to other cruise lines. So that was definitely appealing, especially having three women in one cabin. Right. Also, um, soda is included if you order it in the dining room or on the pool deck. So you're not paying for uh, a beverage package, you know, if, if uh, you know, a non-alcoholic beverage package like you would typically do, mm-hmm. um, you know, on, on other cruise lines. So you have that as an additional advantage. Disney's private island is definitely, you know, at the very top of the, of the private islands. And so there's a quality level there that we also was very interested in. So... Again, like I said, since we're Disney fans, we're obviously a bit biased Mm -hmm. um, towards Disney. So when we looked at when our schedules would align and what the pricing looked like, you definitely saw uh, a price reduction if you looked at going either the second weekend of September. So after Labor Day, Mm -hmm. definitely had to be after Labor Day because Labor Day was very premium priced. But second weekend or the third weekend, either one of those seemed to be kind of a sweet spot for a lower price for the three night itinerary. And then from kind of then on, as you 
approach towards the holidays, you saw prices going back up. Okay, gotcha. So uh, you flew in, uh, you live in St. Louis, you flew down to Tampa to meet your friends, and then you drove to Port Canaveral. So you make it to Port Canaveral. How was the embarkation process at the Disney Cruise Terminal? We arrived at the port right at about 1030 and we had a few traffic issues getting getting out of Tampa. And so we got there a little bit later than what kind of we were targeting, but not bad. We got parked into the parking garage there at the port. Um, and so Disney does staggered boarding. So we'd had to pick our check-in group time. And uh, we had picked the earliest possible one, which is 1030 to 1045. So we we were a little bit after that. We probably got up to the check-in line, probably after we got through security, I would say close to 11, but it still wasn't bad. Um, Since I had sailed Disney before, I was a member of their Castaway Club, and they have a separate check-in priority line for Castaway Club members. Um, So, you know, we spent probably less than 10 minutes in the check-in line. And once we got checked in, they had not yet started uh, announcing boarding. And what Disney does, they have, they always pick a family to be the family of the day. Um, They have a little, little quick ceremony about that. And then they are the first people to get on the ship. And then they start calling boarding groups. And we ended up in boarding group two, but I mean, they call boarding group one. And I would say less than five minutes later, they're saying, okay, groups one and two. So we were probably on the ship by 1130, I would okay. say. Not mm-hmm. bad. Now, you sailed, and I can't remember, I remember you, you sailed a back-to-back on Disney. Was it on Disney Dream? Yes, it was. Okay. It was back, yeah, it was back in, uh, in 2012. My husband and I had done the four-night mm-hmm. and the three-night, and we did it as a back-to-back. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I remember that. Um, so uh, I'm not going to ask you what your first impressions were, uh, but what, as a group in whole, since your friends have never sailed Disney before, like, what, was the, what was their first impressions of the ship? Well, they, of course, you know, marveled at everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the atrium is is very impressive uh, on the Disney ship. The dream has kind of got an art deco uh, style to it. So beautiful, beautiful art deco type chandelier in the atrium. What I didn't realize, actually, at the time we booked the cruise was that Disney starts celebrating Halloween. They call it Halloween on the high seas. They start that with cruises that begin on Labor Day weekend and go all through the month of September and October. So that meant that there were Halloween and fall type decorations in the atrium area. Cool. That was neat. Um, when we had sailed before, um, my husband and I had gone in late January, early February timeframe. So that was new to me to see the, to see the Halloween type decorations. And they have a Halloween tree, um, which has some animated things to it and gets decorated progressively as the cruise goes on. And, and there's some entertainment wrapped around that and whatnot. So that was pretty cool. Very nice. So you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you have and what were your impressions of it? Well, we couldn't immediately make our way to the stateroom. Um, Disney doesn't allow you to get into your cabins. They tell you it's about supposed to be about one thirty. Mm-hmm. We never heard any kind of shipboard announcement. I remember Celebrity does the same kind of thing. You can't get to your cabin immediately. But I remember them making a shipboard announcement that, oh, cap, you know, you can now, you know, go to your to your stateroom if you'd like. So we didn't try. So maybe they were available earlier than one thirty. Um, as promised, but um, we didn't try. We had gone up for uh, lunch in the buffet. So um, shortly after 1.30, we decided to go down and get into our cabin, and uh, and we could. We booked a, the category is called a deluxe ocean view stateroom with veranda. Uh, we were on deck eight. 
Um, so last time when I sailed, my husband and I were in an interior stateroom. So this is my first time having a balcony on Disney. That was cool. nice to, to yeah. be able to see. Now, you mentioned that there was uh, three girls on this one and mm-hmm. uh, your girls weekend. And there's two bathrooms, which is a good thing for when three girls are in a cabin. Uh, yes. What did everyone yes. think of the space as far as the balcony space and the stateroom space? It was great. Um, there was definitely plenty of room to store luggage um, under the bed. Um, there were kind of two side-by-side closets, and there were several drawers. So there was plenty of space for us to be able to unpack and hang up all our clothes. The split bathroom, uh, definitely, uh, you know, that's another, when I was talking earlier about distinctive features, you know, that differentiate Disney from other cruise lines, and um, definitely that split bathroom design, very helpful for families, but definitely helpful for three women trying to get ready at the same time (laughs) for sure yeah so then our cabin had a queen size bed and then also had a sleeper sofa that worked out very well and then the balcony was a very nice size uh it came with two chairs and a table but there was even room we decided the day we were at uh, castaway key we uh went on to the balcony to watch sail away from the island. And so we dragged the desk chair out onto the balcony so that all three of us could sit on the balcony and there was enough room to do that. So it was a nice size space balcony. Nice. I like to hear that. Now let's talk about dining. You briefly mentioned you got some lunch when you first boarded the ship. Um, what did you think about the dining in the Lido area? So on Dream, uh, the buffet is called Cabanas. Okay. And it was obviously, of course, very, very busy. You know, all cruise ships buffet on embarkation day is always busy, as you know. But we were able to, you know, find a find a place to sit and the embarkation day buffet on Disney is great. They have huge piles of peel and eat shrimp and crab claws and that was like really all I ate. <laughs> Pretty much. I just kind of filled my plate with that. Nice. Um, Sounds was- like me. It was so good. But, uh, of course, they had lots of other uh, nice food uh, items, a nice, a nice selection. So hit the spot for, uh, for the first day launch, for sure. Now, Disney has what they call rotational dining for the main dining room, and you're rotating between three different dining rooms. So explain that process to the listeners, and what did you think of it? Yeah, so there's three there's three separate dining rooms on Dream, and they each have a different theme decor. And when you get your cruise card, it tells you here's the order of which night you're going to be in which dining room. So the first night we were in the restaurant that's called Animator's Palette, and uh, Andrew and Jen agreed, and it was was the case for me as well, and had been before. Definitely, I think the best of the three dining rooms on board Dream from both a theming perspective as well as a menu. The cuisine for that restaurant is what they call Pacific Rims, so a lot of nice seafood choices uh, there. Animator's Palette has all kinds of, as you might expect, animated drawings, Disney characters all, all th- on the, around the dining room. There's large LED screens around the dining room, and throughout the meal, uh, you will have animated characters from Nemo mm-hmm. that will float by and if you're familiar with the crush turtle attraction yeah, at Walt the, Disney World where dude. you where Yes, dude, right. <laughs> so so you can interact. So you walk mm-hmm. up and you and you're interacting. Well that same thing happens on board the ship. So periodically Crush would uh would pause at the screen that was near your table and would look out and would interact with you and go, Hey little buddy, how you doing there? Or <laughs> 
you know, so what's your name? You know, where are you from, et cetera. So it's a really cool restaurant. So that was our restaurant for the first night. And then, as you mentioned, yeah, when, when they talk about rotation, so you rotate to a different dining room, but the servers, the serving staff that you have, your head server, and your your main server and your and your assistant server move with you so you have the same so you have the same servers going from night to night in the dining rooms so the second night we were in the enchanted garden and this restaurant is supposed to have like a parisian kind of look to it when you come into the restaurant it's lit pretty much like it would be sort of like in the daytime um, or maybe late afternoon. And then as the meal goes on, they dim, they change, dim the lights, kind of colors change. But that's really about it. It's it's definitely more subtle from a decor perspective. Mm-hmm. The cuisine is called, they call it Continental Market. So that menu didn't really have as many of items that I think that were as appealing to us. Um, I think in the future, I would probably skip that restaurant and substitute in one of the specialty dining restaurants that you can go to on on dream either palo or remy but since this was andrea and jen's first time on board i wanted them to experience of course all three restaurants and with only being a three-night cruise that that obviously meant we didn't do any of the of the specialty dining options and then the last night we were in the royal palace so this is decorated um with a lot of you know prince and princesses artwork on the walls um has a you know the the serving staff is all dressed in sort of uh, royal type costumes, et cetera. This was uh, the menu for that is was a French dinner. Um, and I think that was probably the the second best. Yes, this is where you could get your escargot, Doug, for future reference. Uh, <laughs> I know you I like that. It. Yes. And um, we did not stay for dessert that night because we wanted to go try the gelato place okay. um, on the ship. But that is the night where you can get the Grand Marnier souffle. So it pained me to miss that because I love, I love that kind of souffle. That's on the menu in Royal Palace. So tip for your listeners, if you're a big fan of Grand Marnier souffles, that's where you're going to get that. Very nice detailed review of your dining experience. Um, I have yet to sail Disney, so I'm looking forward to trying the rotational dining. It sounds really cool. Uh, let's switch gears and talk about entertainment aboard at Disney Dream because one thing Disney knows really good is entertainment. Absolutely. And there are definitely uh, many options on board. And again, one of the, of course, one of the drawbacks to a three-night cruise is you just don't have time to do everything. So you can watch uh, movies on the deck. There's also a uh, inside movie theater. And unlike what you may have experienced on other cruise ships, the inside theater um, for movies is absolutely first-rate, top-notch, as good as any you know, upscale premium theater on land. So, um, unfortunately, didn't work out for us to actually be able to uh, to see a movie in there. All we got to be in there for was our muster drill. That was uh. our muster drill station. So, yeah, kind of a bummer, but uh, couldn't couldn't fit it all in. But so there's definitely there's definitely those kind of options. Um, certainly, of course, character meet and greets, um, just like you see at the theme parks. There's many opportunities throughout the day to have interaction with characters. So that's, of course, a, an entertainment option in and of itself. There were a variety of different sorts of parties. They make a big deal about sail away. So there's a big sail away party uh, as you're leaving Port Canaveral. On our cruise, it was on the second night, on Nassau night. That's known as Pirate Night. Pirate Night is a huge deal for Disney. So you will see people that 
take this very seriously and they have brought on full, very detailed, lavish pirate costumes. (laughs) So people get dressed up. There's a big um, on deck party with the video screens where where they show the movies and, of course, live entertainment action uh, characters as well. And then it culminates at 1030 with fireworks. So Disney was the first cruise line and um, is now, as I understand it, back to being the only cruise line that is allowed to shoot fireworks off the ship. So about a 15 minute fireworks display. So that's pretty cool, of course. There were also, because this was a Halloween sailing, there were various different Halloween-related events going on during the day. There was a day where um, kids could go around, and actually, if you could go as an adult as well to get candy, you could do trick-or-treating. And then there was actually an adults-only Halloween party very late at night. We did not go to that. So there were some, you know, some special events going on just because it was Halloween. And of course, then they have a large production show every night in the production show theater. So we went to two of those shows. We went to the first night show, which is called the Golden Mickeys, um, which kind of is a nice kind of retrospective, if you will, of of the Disney films. Um, and then the second night, kind of in line with the whole pirate night and Halloween night, is a show that's called Villains Tonight. So it's featured and, and focuses on some of the notable villains from Disney films. And that was a, that's an excellent show. We did not go to the third night show. I think it's called Believe. We had other things we needed to get done, and, and so we opted to, to skip that show. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely one of Disney's you know, core strengths, of course, in the entertainment area. So did not disappoint from that perspective. Yeah, it almost seems like just hearing you talk about this sailing that you should have taken a fortnight <laughs> to squeeze more well, in. Well, this is exactly the reason why when my husband and I sailed before, we did a back-to-back mm-hmm. because we wanted to have the time to experience you know, things on the ship and also get two visits to Disney's private island as well. Yeah, so unfortunately, the, the budget and, and vacation schedule constraints, we could only, uh, we could only fit in for a three-night cruise, but... Yeah, would definitely recommend a longer cruise if you have the opportunity to do so. Let's talk about uh, when the ship is at sea. How does it handle as far as passenger flow? I know you didn't have really any sea days per se because you were in Nassau and in their private island castaway. But how was it like in transit and uh, when everyone was on the ship at a single time? They do a pretty good job. Uh, they have different areas of the ship that are designated for really for adults only. So we tended to naturally spend a good deal of our time when we were on the ship in those type areas. Obviously, you know, the main pool deck is a pretty is a pretty congested area. That's where, you know, all the, that's where the, the main water slide is, the aqueduct and the different, you know, main pool and kiddie pools and that kind of stuff. So that tended to, to have a fair no- amount of people. And then obviously when with a fixed seating type arrangement, we had late seating, um, the 815 um, time frame, but still obviously people lined up to go into the dining room. So, you know, a little bit of congestion there. But absent of those kinds of, of periods, it's a very large ship um, and it does a, does a good job of, of spreading things out and yeah. distributing the passengers well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's talk about the ports you hit. You were in Nassau and Castaway, and we've all been to Nassau a million times. So I want to focus more about Castaway. I know it's a private island that the ship actually docks right there at the private island, unlike other ones in the Caribbean where you have to anchor in tender. So right off the bat, that's a plus for me. 
again, that was another big reason as well or an advantage for choosing Disney for a cruise as opposed to other cruise lines because my friend Andrea is susceptible to motion sickness. So when I, and of course, made sure that she knew that we didn't have to tender to go to the private island, she was ecstatic about that. So that was definitely a big selling point. So what did you think about the island itself, the food on there, the relaxation areas and all of that? Well, actually, the first thing that we did was we did the Castaway Key 5K run. So when you get on board the ship, you can go to the guest services desk and sign up for the 5K. Uh, as, you, as you may know, Disney's pretty big into running. Uh, they do a lot of runs, 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, marathons at the Disney parks. And so there's an opportunity for that. This is not a competitively timed, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's quite the right word for it. Um, So it's a little bit more casual. (laughs) It's free. doesn't cost you anything. Uh, You just have to sign up at the guest services desk and you're welcome to walk the whole thing if you want. But my friends are runners, do races um, regularly. And so I had never run a race before in my entire life. And so I was determined to not die and not finish last. And so I actually started training for it. Okay. Um, yep, because I was determined that I was going to run it. So when you sign up to do the race, they had us meet in the in the theater uh, at 8 a.m. And we went off the ship together uh, as a group. They got us off the ship, and then we walked to where the starting point is, which is past the kids' area and sort of kind of in the middle uh, middle area uh, where they do the bike rentals and that is the official start line for mm-hmm. the 5K. I think the race got started about 9.05 or so, and I was proud to say that we finished. I crossed the finish line in 53 minutes, so nice. I was pretty excited yeah. for my first my first ever, you know, 5K, and I ran the whole thing. Some people you would see, they would walk for a while, and then they'd run, and then they'd walk. Okay, that's cool, but I was determined. It was majorly, of course, hot and humid, for mm-hmm. sure, so oh, gosh, yeah. you do get a medal, by the way, if, in case, because uh, I know the bling is very important here in the, in the running world, so yes, you do, they do, you do get a medal. Um, it's rubber. It's not metal metal, but you do mm-hmm. get a medallion, and then, of course, the opportunity to purchase 5k merchandise t-shirts you know caps pins etc disney never misses an opportunity of course for merchandise (laughs) so i bought into it of course (laughs) because but uh, so after we did our shopping then we immediately then uh hopped on the trams because they run trams from where the ship docks to different points on the island so we hopped the tram back to back to the ship to immediately shower and change and and whatnot because it was yeah it was very very hot and humid there are water stations throughout so you could bring your own water if you wanted to if but uh, they do have they did have water stations so if people were wanted to know that but we definitely uh definitely needed to get cleaned up so after we did that and got back off the ship we then headed for the adult beach area. So that's another nice thing about Disney's Private Island. There's a separate beach area just for adults with their own pavilion area for lunch. So you don't have to go back to the main family beach area mm-hmm. for lunch. You can stay in the adults area for the lunch, which is very nice. So once we got back off the ship, <clears throat> it was right about 1130, which is when they start serving the island barbecue lunch. And right as we we're getting from the tram to the to the adult beach area is when the first rain shower came through. So, not too bad on the on the lighter side, but it was 
fine timing. I mean, we weren't going to head to the beach right then. We we needed to have lunch. We hadn't eaten anything. We just run a 5K race. So <laughs> we were famished. So the barbecue is very nice. There's a nice assortment of cold salads, uh, tomato salad, and all that kind of stuff. A wide variety of different meats. I think you could get grilled chicken. They had ribeyes. Um, brats, um, hot dogs. There were some vegetarian options as well. There were salads, soft serve machines, again, free pop or soda, as some people call it. So yeah, it was, it was a nice variety of, of food. It's good, good stuff. And we probably had lingered waiting for the rain to, to dissipate. And they had cleared the beach as well because there had been some, you know, some lightning. And they do that, of course, from a safety perspective. So by the time we finished lunch and things had cleared up, sun came back out and it was blue sky, it was probably about 1.30 or so. So, yeah, so we enjoyed we enjoyed the beach probably for about probably about 45 minutes. And then the monsoon arrived. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. We had seen the very dark clouds coming, and so we had snagged ourselves a nice table under a large umbrella um, at the uh, bar area for the adult beach. And when bonus, although, you know, there's silver lining and everything, right? When the weather is not its nicest, they do two-for-one drink specials at the bar, the adult beach. So two-for-one pina coladas. Nice. I had my pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. I I live that Uh, (laughs) while we waited for the monsoon and it was a monsoon. Definitely. There were a lot of people that just said, yeah, that's it. I'm giving up for the day. And the rain went on probably for, I would say a good hour to hour and a half maybe. And we decided, yeah, that's probably, that's probably enough for the day. So we decided to, uh, to head back, we kind of browse the little shops that are on the island. Um, they have some local uh, artist crafts uh, mm-hmm. stores that are there. Um, so we kind of browsed those a little bit and wandered our way back to the ship. So, you know, it, it, it would have been nice if the weather had cooperated a little bit more to enjoy a little bit more time, you know, on the beach or the or in the ocean. But Andrew and Jen got a nice a nice taste of the island for sure. And, and uh, we did our main goal for the day, of course, which was to run the 5K. So... It was awesome. good. Very nice. Now, uh, you make your way back to Port Canaveral. How was disembarkation for you? We chose to do the express walk-off um, because we had, you know, three days. We had limited luggage. And I had a return flight out of Tampa that was leaving at 1220. So we didn't want to chance any kind of, of delays in getting me back to the airport. So we were... Even with having to pick up um, some last-minute photos that uh, we had ordered the night before, and then uh, when we were in Nassau, we had only well, only thing we did in Nassau was to go to the Tortuga Rum Store, mm-hmm. and so Andrea and Jen had to pick up their quarantined booze, <laughs> of course. So even with having to do those kind of little errands, we were still off the ship and through customs and at Andrea's car in the parking garage by 7:30 in the morning. Man, you're brave booking a 12.30 flight out of Tampa, which is at least an hour and a half away, isn't it? Actually, it's about a two and a half hour drive. Man, you're so, brave. It well, just I have, taken one, took one traffic accident on I-4 to screw your day up. I suppose. I, I really like the Tampa airport. It is yeah. really a, a great airport to fly in or out of, actually. And so I've done that you know, a few times, so I was experienced with that. Plus, I have global entry, so I have pre-check. And so I figured, uh, I figured if we could do the express walk off 
and hit the ground running that we would make it. We were there at the airport by 10 a.m. Oh, good so for I you. Had, we had plenty of time. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, do you have any first-time tips for someone who may be doing a short Disney cruise out of Port Canaveral? If you're um, interested in the more adult side of, uh, of Disney, I would highly recommend that you sign up to do the Mixology Seminar. Now, they actually have a variety of different sorts of drinking classes, tasting classes, wine flights, champagne, et cetera, et cetera. But I had done some research and had heard about this mixology seminar and people were really, really raved about it. And so that was one of the things that we did right when we got on the ship, in addition to signing up for the 5K, mm-hmm. is we immediately signed up for the mixology seminar. And I think that was definitely the, the thing to do because I noticed that when the newsletter came out for the next day, which is when the seminar was, and they had the list of classes, it wasn't listed at all. I assumed that it had already sold out on the first day, and that's why they didn't advertise it. So we did that. That was one of the reasons why we kind of treated NASA sort of like a pseudo-sea day, so that we could do this mixology seminar. It was at 2 o'clock in the Skyline Lounge, one of the lounges in the adults-only area of the ship. And it was $20 a person, and it was the best $20 <laughs> that you could spend. You actually got to make the drinks. The bartender would have, would just would talk about the kind of the history of the drink, what kind of style, you know, is this a muddled drink, a build drink, a floater, et cetera, and then would demonstrate the techniques, and then we would actually make our own. And they they sent around the different you know bottles and showed us how to how to invert the bottle and do the counts to know you know how much of each liquor you were supposed to put in, and then of course we got to drink them. So. We did a Caparina, a Tropical Depression, a Captain's Mai Tai, a B-52 shot, and a Paris 75 Martini. Let me tell you, by the end of that seminar, we were feeling good. And we had been prepped, of course, to you know make sure you have a good lunch before you go to that seminar. And we did. And we still needed to go over to the sports bar and go have some, some appetizers <laughs> because <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, well worth the 20 bucks. So, well, your, your husband's a big Trader Sam's fan, so you could probably make him some good drinks now, huh? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Wasn't, uh, wasn't or at least cheap. attempt. But yeah, right. But uh, but that was that was definitely a lot of fun. We enjoyed that. We had a great time. So if you're looking for something, not what you would normally think of from a Disney perspective, but uh, it was definitely well worth it. So highly recommend the Mixology Seminar. All righty. Well, looking back over your sailing, what was the biggest highlight for you? Well, obviously, uh, besides getting to spend quality time with my friends, who I don't get to see too often, just, I think, the overall quality of, of the ship. I mean, the ship is now six years old mm-hmm. and is just impeccably maintained. And you probably would you would kind of expect that, right, from Disney. But sure. still, I mean, it was definitely, you know, noticeable when we were in port in Nassau and comparing to the other cruise ships that were in port. And just you look at the exterior and it's just immaculate. You wouldn't know that the ship was only six years old. You could have thought it was you know, a newly launched ship. So impeccably maintained. And of course, all of the Disney decor touches are very, very nice. All right, Kristen, in closing, give me your final thoughts of your vacation and Disney dream. Obviously, you know, being Disney fans, we were naturally biased, right, towards towards Disney. But one of the things that I think is, a, is an important point to note, when you're looking at you know, a three-day cruise out of the Bahamas. Most of the ships that are doing those itineraries are fairly older ships in their fleets. So if you're looking for what I call a more upscale option, 
in that three-day or even four-day itinerary. Disney Dream has a, has a lot to offer. I mean, it's a large modern ship, so you're not sacrificing anything in terms of the types of amenities that are on board the ship. The staterooms are of a superior quality. Uh, you're going to have higher food quality than maybe some of those older older cruise ships on other cruise lines. And of course, you know, Disney excellence in service and entertainment. So it's a nice option to have a newer modern ship doing those short cruise runs. So something to look at if you're looking for a girls weekend type option, consider Disney. All right, Kristen, thanks for being on the show. Good talking to you. Happy holidays. Always my pleasure. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.